0: Good morning, Plum Creek. Great to see you guys. I'm really glad you made it to church today. And if you're visiting with us, we're especially glad that you're here. Well, we are in the second week of our sermon series called Treasure. And I have to say, I am really enjoying this series. I also have to say, I'm finding it very challenging. But you know what? I need to be challenged on a regular basis, and I bet a lot of you are right there with me. Now, in the first week of this series, we landed on one big idea. The greatest treasure in life is knowing Christ. And then we we looked at one passage in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus said, Do not store up treasures on earth. Those things don't last. Instead, store up treasures in heaven. And we said, yeah, that's right. That just makes sense. It's not smart to dump your resources into things that rust or decay or disappear. We should invest in those things that last forever. And what lasts forever? Well, we made a list of a few eternal things. For one, God himself. Uh, God's kingdom. The kingdom of God lasts forever. Uh, people. People should also go on this list. Every human being has a soul that goes on forever. So, uh, just a few things. God, the kingdom of God, and people. These things are worth sacrificing for. I've been thinking a lot about the idea of sacrifice this week, especially because it's Veterans Day weekend. Uh, I think it's appropriate to stop and thank our veterans so, uh, I want to take a moment right now to recognize the veterans we have here today. If you have served or if you're currently serving, uh, would you please stand up for just a moment so we can recognize you? We truly appreciate your service. Um, By the way, if you are a veteran age 55 or over, uh, we have a special lunch on Wednesday at noon over in the Life Center, and we'll recognize our veterans there as well. But you know, it's impossible for us to know all the sacrifices that veterans have made. Uh, Last weekend, I spoke at the funeral of Curtis Shelton. Uh, Curtis was a longtime member of Plum Creek, and he was also a veteran, and… I knew Curtis for years. He was a friend of mine, but it wasn't until after he passed away that I I learned something I had never heard before. Curtis was part of a group known as the Atomic Soldiers or Atomic Veterans. Now, these soldiers took part in nuclear tests and radiation experiments, and because of their exposure to nuclear fallout, many of those veterans uh, developed health problems later in life. And like I said, I had no idea that Curtis made that kind of sacrifice for our country. Years ago, I heard a great definition of the word sacrifice. Sacrifice means giving up something you love for something you love more. And that's powerful, isn't it? And it goes right along with what Jesus said. Don't store up treasures on earth. Those things aren't worth the sacrifice. Save your sacrifice for heavenly treasures. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus illustrated this concept with a very short story. It's kind of a micro parable. So check it out. Matthew 13 verse 44. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. I want to think about one particular word here. It's the word joy. Joy. So this this man found a treasure. He knew it was extremely valuable. And in order to get that treasure, what did the man do? He sold everything he had. And he wasn't sad about selling his possessions. No, he was overjoyed. Why? Because he knew he was getting a great deal. This treasure was worth more than his entire net worth. So here's what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God is a priceless treasure. You can't put a dollar value on being part of God's kingdom. I mean, when you are a citizen of God's kingdom, you know that one day he's going to take care of everything. Everything will be made right. And and you get to be part of that. You get to enjoy God's favor. You get to live in his presence forever. And so here's what we should expect from followers of Jesus a genuine christian will be able to tell the difference between earthly treasure and heavenly treasure and a genuine christian will let go of things like money and material possessions for the sake of god's kingdom and we don't just do that when it's easy we don't do that just when it's convenient followers of christ are not merely generous they are sacrificially generous Now, the truth is, uh, most people want to be generous, right? You don't have to be a Christian to think generosity is a good idea. Uh, That's why uh, whenever there's a big earthquake or some natural disaster, uh, you'll often see a bunch of celebrities get out there and try to raise a bunch of money to send relief. And that's great. I'm glad they do that. But we need to be clear on something. Followers of Jesus should set the bar for generosity, For us, sacrificial sacrificial generosity, it should be a way of life. And why is that? It's because Jesus showed us how to do this. He sacrificed his earthly life so that we could have eternal life. Jesus teaches us to let go of temporary things for eternal things. He teaches us to let go of things we love for things we love more. But that brings up a question. Exactly how often... Or how much should we be sacrificially generous? How much money should we give away? How much should we keep? Does the Bible say anything about that? Well, Jesus had a lot to say about money and generosity. And again, a lot of what he says is very challenging. But i tell you what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at one of the toughest things Jesus ever said on this topic. Because I know you guys are up for it. We're not interested in some watered-down, mediocre version of Christianity. We want the real thing. So we're going to look at this passage in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. We'll see an encounter between Jesus and a rich young man. And Jesus tells this very wealthy guy to sell everything he has and give it to the poor. Now, this story might make some of us a little uncomfortable, Uh, Now, as long as it's just a story, it's no big deal, but when we start to apply this story to our lives, we can feel a little threatened. Like, what are you saying, Jesus? Are you telling me I'm supposed to sell everything I have, or or was it just this guy, Uh, or is it just some of us? How do I know if that command applies to me? Well, it's not easy to wrestle with these questions, and because of that, uh, we might be tempted to just fly through this passage and move on to another one, or just skip it all together. Uh, But we don't want to do that, because if if we're going to make Jesus our greatest treasure, we want to know what he expects of us. So let's read through this passage, and, and let's be open to what God is saying. So here we go, Mark 10, starting with verse 17. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, before we get too far, let's, let's try to get to know this guy. So far, based on this verse, what do we know? Well, we don't have many details, do we? We don't know his name. Uh, we don't know where he's from. But uh, the other Gospels, two of them, give us a little more information. Uh, Matthew tells us he was a young man. So, I'm sure younger than me. Uh, Luke refers to him as a ruler. He has some level of authority. And so we know that this guy experienced some success very early in life, and sometimes a a younger person might not have the maturity to handle that success. But uh, as we uh, get to know him a little better, we see he's not as immature as you might think. He's not just out there partying his life away. He's thinking about spiritual things. He's thinking about eternity. And as we'll see, he's trying to obey God's commands to the best of his ability And here's what we do know. This young man had a sincere desire to seek God, but that wasn't his only desire. We're also going to see that he had a strong desire to hold on to the things of this world. Now, I find that description very interesting. It's it's interesting to me because a lot of us can relate to this, right? Both of those desires. Many of us have a desire to seek God and please Him, but we also like nice things. We like comfort. Uh, We like the security that comes from having a lot of money. Now, um, we feel pulled in both directions, and that's exactly why we should listen closely to what Jesus says here. So, let's go back and reread verse 17, and this time we'll keep going. Now, this response from Jesus is a little surprising. Uh, And then the response from the man, also interesting. Uh, He says, teacher, all these commands I have kept since I was a boy. So uh, the man, he doesn't want to get into all that. He he had a simple question. Let's get to the bottom line, Jesus. I want to live forever, and I feel like I'm missing something. Can, Can you help me with this? Just tell me what to do. So... Jesus doesn't give a straightforward answer here. First, he he makes that strange comment. No one is good except God alone. And then he goes through several of the Ten Commandments. Uh, So what is Jesus saying here? What's he he trying to do? Well, I'll tell you what Jesus was not saying. He wasn't saying that you can get to heaven by keeping commandments. In fact, he's saying the opposite. Uh, The young man was like a lot of us. He felt like, overall, he's a pretty decent person. Like, yeah, When it comes to obeying the Ten Commandments, I feel like I've done pretty well. But what did Jesus say? No one is good except God alone. Yes, theoretically, if some perfect person managed to obey all of God's commands every day for their entire life, then that person would be completely righteous and that person would deserve eternal life. But Jesus says, no one has done that. No one will get to heaven by being good. No human being is close to God's standard of goodness. Now, this young man thought he had kept the Ten Commandments. And on the outside, it might have looked like he did. But Jesus wasn't as much interested on the outside. He was interested interested in this man's heart, what was going on inside. And that's where the problem was. So, in verse 21, Jesus looked at him. And loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And Then come, follow me. At This, the man's face fell. He went away sad. Because he had great wealth. Now, let's go back to that very first part. Did you catch that? Jesus looked at him. And loved him. You want to know how Jesus looks at you when you don't have your head on straight? This is how he looks at you. I mean, this guy, he, he wasn't thinking straight. He he loved his money more than he loved God. He put earthly treasure above heavenly treasure. And Jesus could have looked at him and thought, man, this guy's a total idiot. But that's not what he did. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And aren't you glad he did that? Jesus knows our weakness. He knows what we struggle with. He knows our tendency to make bad decisions. And he will confront us when we're wrong. But he always does that from a place of love. Now, at the same time, we can't overlook what Jesus said next. This is a very difficult command. Sell everything man, that's extreme. Why, why would Jesus demand so much, and why would he demand that so soon? Why, why didn't he uh, start by asking the guy to give a little spare change? Why did he have to sell it all? Is that the price of eternal life? Well, once again, be careful here. Jesus was not saying that you can buy your way into heaven. The message, message of Scripture is very clear on that. Salvation is a free gift. We're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. Uh, it's, we're not saved because our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. And if you're fuzzy on that, read Ephesians chapter 2 or uh, read the entire book of Romans. Uh, you could also go a few verses earlier in this chapter. In Mark 10, 15, Jesus says the kingdom of God, it's something you receive, You receive it just in the same way that a little child receives a gift. So, why did Jesus give this harsh command? Well, here it is. Jesus is just applying a principle that he teaches elsewhere. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus knew this man's heart. He was saying, listen, I know you have a desire to seek God. I know that. That's great. But you also have a strong desire for material things. So it's decision time. Who will your master be? God or money? Can't be both. Now, if Jesus had been talking to someone else, he might have put it differently. He might have said, you, you have to choose between God and your pride. You have to choose between God and lust between God and your family. It's it's different for every person, but for this rich young man, the obstacle was money. And Jesus Jesus desperately wanted him to make the right call, to, to see God for the priceless treasure that he is. This is not about earning your salvation or buying your way into heaven. This is about choosing your treasure. Will you treasure money, which is here today and gone tomorrow? Or will you treasure the most high God, the one who deserves any and every sacrifice you could possibly give? Well, we know what the young man decided. So let's bring this back around to us. How should we apply this story to our lives? Well, an author named David Platt writes about this in his book, Radical. And David Platt said, there are two ways to misinterpret this story. One is to say that Jesus always calls his followers to sell everything. I've said it many times. We need to interpret Scripture with Scripture. Many of you know the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man. In Luke chapter 18, Zacchaeus has this life-changing encounter with Jesus. And after that encounter, Zacchaeus gives half of his money away. Not all, half. And what did Jesus say? He said, today salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus was good at that point. Jesus did not say, Zacchaeus, that's a good start. Now that you've given half away, it's time to give away the other half. He didn't say that. So apparently Jesus is not commanding all of us to give everything away. But there's another way to misinterpret this story. We could say, well, I guess Jesus never calls his followers." To to sell everything or to give everything away. Over the years, many Christians have sacrificed everything for Jesus up to and including their lives. We talked about this last week. Right now, in our time, millions of Christians around the world are persecuted or even killed for their faith. So, this happens. And we keep coming back to this same question, what is your greatest treasure? Is it Jesus and his kingdom, or is it everything you love in this world? Before you answer that, I have some advice for you. My advice is this, don't be too quick to let yourself off the hook here. Because you might read this story and think to yourself, okay, I don't believe God is calling me to sell everything and give it to the poor. Because if I did that, I wouldn't be able to take care of my own needs. I wouldn't be able to take care of my own family. And so far, I think that's a reasonable conclusion. But from there, it's very easy to say, well, maybe God just wants me to be willing to sell everything. Maybe it's okay if I'm just willing to be sacrificially generous. And sure, if there comes a day when God clearly commands me to give in a sacrificial way, then of course I will. But for now, I don't think he is. So I'll just give in a way that's comfortable. Now, if that's our mindset, we need to be careful because that's the mindset of someone who is still attached to the things of this world. In fact, let's read what Jesus said immediately after that young man walked away. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, well, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But all things are possible with God. So according to Jesus, it's, it's basically impossible for a wealthy person to be saved from their sin and enter God's kingdom. Why is that? It's because for a rich person, the pull of this world is just too strong. But I love that last verse. With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. With his help and by his grace, we can get over our attachment to the world. We can make God our greatest treasure. And I say we because nearly all of us should think of ourselves as rich. Jesus is talking about us here because we live in the kind of wealth that is unimaginable to the vast majority of people who have ever lived. I I look up these stats now and then, and it's just amazing to me. If you make $20,000 a year after taxes, you're among the top 10% wealthiest people on the face of the planet at just $20,000 a year. If your family income is $60,000 a year, You make more than 99% of the world. You're in the top 1%. So we are rich. And knowing that, based on what we just read, knowing that we are susceptible to the same desires that brought down this rich young man, and knowing that following Jesus means sacrificial generosity, what do we do with this? We're back to that tough question. Exactly how much money should I give away? And how much should I keep? Well, I can't get legalistic on you, but I can give you just a common sense principle. If you want to be sacrificially generous, you have to give in a way that is a sacrifice. And yeah, that's kind of a no-brainer, but this principle is actually very helpful because you already know if you're currently giving in a way that pinches you. If we give a few dollars here and there, we don't feel the pinch, But if Jesus is truly our greatest treasure, we will give in a way that affects our lifestyle. Uh, We'll give to the point where we're making real sacrifices. And you don't do that because you're trying to buy your way into heaven. Uh, you, You give because you love Jesus more than anything and your heart gets involved and invested in the same things that he cares about. So take some time to ask yourself, Am I holding on to too much? Is God calling me to be more generous than I am right now? Again, I I don't want to be legalistic, but I do think the majority of us need to be challenged. Most of us have room to grow in this area. In a sermon a few months ago, I, I talked about a guy named David Green one of the 50 richest people in the US. David is the founder and CEO of Hobby Lobby, the big chain of arts and crafts stores. And as a businessman, he's been very successful, to say the least. He's currently worth over $14 billion. He's done pretty well. And right now, I'm reading a book by David Green called Leadership Not by the Book. And in this book, he talks about generosity, and it's really inspiring, so I I wanted to share some of that with you. First, David gives a little history of their business. He says, a few years after we founded Hobby Lobby, we started tithing our profits, giving 10% to various charities. And whatever we made one year, we took 10% and gave it away the following year. And that number gradually increased until we bumped up our giving to 50% a decade ago. Okay, that's amazing. Hobby Lobby gives away half of their profits. For most of us, 10% sounds like a huge number. But for David Green, 10% was just a, a starting point. And the obvious question is, why do that? Why give away 10%, 50% of your profits? Well, here's David's answer. He said, This world has nothing more that I want, nothing. I already have everything I need. Hobby Lobby became far more profitable after we started to give more. But I still make the same salary as before. I haven't taken a raise in 16 years. I make 5% of what most CEOs do. What would I do with more money? Buy a second house? The The one I have now gives me more than enough problems. One house is plenty. I watch CEOs make more and more money so that they can buy a boat, a vacation home, a private island. I can't imagine any of those things giving Barbara and me more than 30 minutes of happiness. I have no desire, whatever, to have more of this world's goods. Stuff is just stuff, nothing more. It's empty. And then I love what he says here at the end. He says, Giving away profit gives me greater joy than anything money could buy. Even better, it passes along the same joy to our employees. And most of all, it allows us to partner with God in what he's doing around the world. A lot of their giving goes to support Christian ministries of some kind, helping to build God's kingdom. But did you hear something familiar there? The word joy. David Green said, giving away profit gives me joy. Sounds like that man from the micro parable, right? The man who found the treasure in the field. He sold all he had. He, he gave up something he loved for something he loved more, and he was overjoyed. In the end, sacrificial generosity, it's not painful. In the end, sacrificial generosity brings you joy. All right, we're almost done here, but we can't finish without an action step, Right? And no, the action step is not sell everything you have. Uh, But we do want to take some practical step toward sacrificial generosity. Now, next week, as we wrap up this treasure series, we're going to talk about a long-term generosity plan because uh, this lifestyle, it normally doesn't happen overnight. But today, we're going to take a baby step. For many of us, this won't be uh, much of a sacrifice at all, but it will be a step in the right direction. So here's the deal. As we head into the holidays, as we head into the Christmas season at Plum Creek, uh, we've been looking for ways to bless our community. Uh, We want to share God's love with our neighbors in a practical way. So our worship team has been working with our new community outreach team, and they approached several of our local schools uh, in Pendleton County, Northern and Southern Elementary, in Campbell County, Grants Lick and Riley Elementary, and then uh, Campbell County Middle School as well. And our teams went to the family resource coordinators in these schools and they said, hey, what's the biggest need that we might be able to help with right now? And every one of those coordinators mentioned two primary needs, laundry items and snack items. Uh, A lot of families in our community are facing financial challenges And for those families, it's a huge blessing to have help with things like laundry detergent and snacks for kids to eat over winter break. So, this is the plan. Between now and next, uh, a month from now, basically, Sunday, December 10th, uh, we're going to come together as a church and collect these items. Uh, the goal is 175 snack packs, 175 bottles of Tide detergent, and 175 packages of all-brand dryer sheets. Now, on December 10th, we're going to have a big party after service. Uh, we're going to pack up these items and make sure they get to local families in need. Now, you might wonder why we specifically want Tide Detergent, and all dryer sheets. And there's actually a reason for that. Every care package will have a personal note. And along with that note, we'll include include a quote from Luke chapter 2, where the angel says to the shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. I didn't come up with that, but I do approve that message. Now, If you want to get started today, you can go out to the gathering area, look for the shopping cart, and you can pick up a bag. Uh, You can pick up a shopping list. Uh, You can also scan the QR code in your bulletin or up on the screen. And that code will take you to a shopping cart with these items already loaded. And if you purchase everything on the list, it'll be about $50. And again, most of us wouldn't call this sacrificial generosity, But this is an opportunity to experience some of the joy that comes from being generous. It's an opportunity to let go of temporary things and invest in what matters. So let's make generosity a way of life. Let's pray. Father, we are so blessed in so many ways just to to live in this country where we have freedom where, where we have so much prosperity, Lord, uh, we didn't have anything to do with being born here, uh, but it is a blessing from you. And we know that we are blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. And I pray that you would help us to, to build this habit of sacrificial generosity, not just with money and possessions, but with our time, with our energy, with our talents. Help us, Lord, to to see how we can bless others and and lead others to a life-changing relationship with Jesus, our, our greatest treasure. Lord, we want to grow as a church, as families, and as individuals. Help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen.